The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning. I want to play some trivia with you all today. And my first question is, uh, how long has Lance been waiting to wear goofy Christmas costumes up here in front of us? Does anyone know the answer to that? 11 months is the answer to that question. No, I have another question. Since we're talking about one-hit wonders, does anybody know the artist who has the most number one hits in music history? Anyone know the answer? The Beatles have the most number one hits, 20, so they're the opposite of a one-hit wonder. And do you know their longest-running number one hit? It was released in 1968, and it was number one for eight weeks. Hey, Jude, there you go. You guys are paying attention. You see, I'm trying to set you up for this final trivia question. What is the last one-chapter book in the Bible that we are studying today? Jude, good job. You guys are great at trivia. I know I set you up well there. But uh, Jude is a one-hit wonder only that it has one chapter because it has been a hit since the 60s as well, just AD 60s. Um, So it's had a little more airtime than Hey Jude. So we are going to the real deal Jude. And Jude is actually short for Judas. And we refer to this letter as Jude. It's, it's just the same name. It's kind of like a nickname for Judas, and we call it Jude because we didn't want it to be confused with that Judas, Judas Iscariot. So we know that this Jude is a different Judas. It is actually Jesus' half-brother. Mary and Joseph, since we are in the Christmas season, Lance, we do get to talk about Mary and Joseph today. They had many sons, actually four sons, in the book of Matthew Uh, After Mary had Jesus, um, here, I'll try to turn there, Matthew uh, 15, sorry, 13, 55, I'm off here, Matthew 13 says, they scoffed, he's just the carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Judas is one of Jesus' brothers, that is this Jude that we are talking about, and this is significant, not only because James, Jesus' other brother, wrote a book of the Bible in the New Testament, and Jude wrote a book of the Bible. In the book of John, John tells us this about his brothers, even his brothers, that would be Jesus, his brothers didn't believe in him. His brothers did not believe in him when he was in their house. As they grew up and as they got older, Jesus' own brothers did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God, was who he said he was his entire life. That is significant. And so as we turn to the book of Jude, we have to keep in mind that there is something that happened in the life of this man that changed everything radically. Something had to have happened for him to believe in Jesus as the Lord of all, his personal savior. What is it? Well, let's read Jude. Jude says this, this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. See, there you go. You've got a reference to James, his other brother, literally his brother in Christ, but his half-brother, James. But he doesn't refer to Jesus as his brother. 
You see, his relationship changed with Jesus. He refers to him as, I am his slave, meaning Jesus is my master. Jesus is my Lord. Something happened in the life of Jude and in Jesus' life that totally changed his mind. He says, I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you, keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. See, Jude had a salvation experience. Jude experienced the risen Jesus, that the resurrection of Jesus changed everything. And so Jude went from having an annoying older brother to having a savior. And the only change was that he saw Jesus was who he said he is, that he defeated death, that he rose from the grave, and he has this salvation experience that he wants to share with all the other believers. He says we share that, and that was something that Jude wanted to write about. He wanted to write a letter about Saving faith. But, he says in verse three, now I find that I must write about something else. There's something else that is more urgent. There's something else that is more pressing now in Jude's life. He wanted to have this letter talking about the gospel, talking about salvation, about Jesus' resurrection. But he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. There is something that is urgent and pressing that I need to write about Well, what is it? I need to urge you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. He's saying there is something that you need to defend. There is something pounding at the city gates that we need to hold strong in. And he kind of referenced this in verse one. He says that Christ is the one that keeps you safe. See, he's already got that in his mind, even in the first verse. There is something that you need to be kept safe from. There is something that we need to be defended from. And this reminds me of a scene from one of my favorite movies of all time. I love The Lord of the Rings. And in the last movie in The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, There is a scene where Gandalf is now Gandalf the white wizard. He's inside this city of Gondor with all these men, and they are ready to fight. They're inside, and there's these massive city gates, you know, and you don't know what's on the other side, and it's just being pounded. And he's standing in the middle with all of these men, and they have no idea what's on the other side. And he says, no matter what evil comes through that door, stand your ground. And that almost feels like what Jude is saying. It's like, what are you talking about? What's on the other side? Well, it doesn't matter what's on the other side. We're going to stand our ground and hold firm to the faith. That is what Jude is saying here, that there is something pounding on the door in our life, in our world, in our church, that no matter what it is, Jude is issuing a warning and a charge to all of us today. And he starts it and continues to carry this theme through, that Christ is the one who keeps us safe, no matter what we face. No matter what is going on in your life, 
Christ is the one who keeps you. Verse one, that is what Jude wants us to know. Christ keeps you. He is your keeper. If he is your Lord, he is the one who keeps you safe. You see, Jude, um, he is about to give lots of warnings, but he is not in the business of giving out crazy warnings. And I know for many of us, we see warning labels and warnings on all kinds of things that I don't know about you, but I kind of even just glance past them. I don't even notice how ridiculous the warnings are in our world, in our litigious society. We see warnings that are just so ridiculous. I had to share a couple with you. Uh, There was one, even on a wheelbarrow recently, and it said, I kid you not, not intended for highway use. This is ridiculous. I forgot that, you know, maybe we need the high model to go 65 on the highway, so don't take it on the highway, right? On a drill you would find in the hardware store, it says, not intended for use as a dental drill. Okay, these are the warnings in our world today. I mean, we're just throwing out warnings left and right because apparently we need them. Of course, an iron. You gotta have the warning not to iron while your clothes are on. These are real warnings. You can go to Meyer or Walmart and buy an iron this afternoon. It'll have that warning on there. This is ridiculous. But this last one, I think, is actually necessary. I'm sure that this is where it came from. The Chipotle truck. The drivers don't carry burritos, friends. That is on the side of the truck. Okay? Well, Jude doesn't have any of these lame warnings that you and I don't need. Jude has... Warnings that we need to heed today. And I'm going to kind of boil down these warnings because he has a lot to say down to two significant ones. And the first one we see here in verse four, that the world's values are coming for you. They're waiting for us. We live in the world and the things that the world values are in our face, and they are coming for us. Jude says this, verse four, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. See, the way Jude describes it is that there are people worming their way into our lives, that the world, which he would describe as ungodly, immoral, the values that are not found in here, the ones that we follow because Jesus is Lord of our life, those values worm their way into our lives, into our churches even, Jude says, that we need to be on guard, we need to defend ourselves from this, because It's dangerous. And what's so dangerous? He tells us that there are some people that say, you know, God's grace is so amazing. It doesn't matter how you live. You can just live any old way. And Judah's saying, no, 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 no. That is not true. It matters how we live. It matters a great deal. Don't fall for those lies it will ruin your life. 
And so Jude kind of sets the stage there, and then he continues. I'm going to read a big chunk of Jude's letter because he gives example after example after example from the Old Testament and to this Jewish audience who first received this letter of Jude of how this has happened over and over and over again. And now we need to pay attention because this isn't anything new under the sun. God's people have always been susceptible to lies and living ungodly, immoral lives that will destroy their life and their faith. So let's follow along. Verse five, he says, I wanna remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives. They defy authority and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, or an archangel, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. And this took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But the people scoff at things they do not understand like unthinking animals. They do whatever their instincts tell them. And so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in the autumn that are doubly dead. They bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars doomed forever to the blackest darkness. And Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people and he said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world and he will convict every person of all the ungodly things that they have done and for all the insults that the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And these people are grumblers and complainers living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. But you... My dear friends, must remember what the apostles of the Lord predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. There are reminders, examples, many examples from the history of Israel of how common it is for the people of God to fall into an ungodly and immoral way of life because it's so seductive and it has happened for all of time. 
And Jude feels like it is so urgent. He's seeing it happening even since Christ rose from the dead. He's like, I want to talk about salvation, but I have to talk about this because it's so important. The church cannot follow these same examples. We should not follow when people are saying it doesn't matter how you live. You should just satisfy the things that you feel. Just go ahead and do whatever it is you want. And he gives all of these accounts. Israel and Egypt, Sodom and Gomorrah, Cain, Balaam, Korah. Those are all stories from the Old Testament that you can go back and you can read. And then what gets a little strange here is when Jude starts quoting some stories that aren't from the Old Testament. And for us, we're like, this gets a little weird. I don't know what to do with this. He's quoting from two different books. If you have a study Bible, he's quoting from Enoch in verse 14. You can go back in in the Old Testament. He is from the seventh generation from Adam in Genesis, he's a real person, but there is a book, First Enoch, that was a Jewish book that he's talking him from. And this interaction with um, the angel Michael and Satan over Moses' body comes from this book called The Testament of Moses. And for us, we're like, this is a little strange. Now, how do we handle all of this? Well, I would say this, that Jude is quoting examples that his audience would know. He's saying that these are just other examples in a long line of examples that the Jewish people would have understood because those works were important to them. They would have known them. They're not scripture, but they were still stories that they would have heard and known about. And he's saying these also help prove his point. It would kind of be like me saying to all of you today. It's an illustration, okay? Now, if I was talking about how things have changed radically in our culture, And I said, we're not in Kansas anymore. You would know that I'm referring to the Wizard of Oz, right? I'm not endorsing the Wizard of Oz as a foundation for your worldview. I'm just trying to connect with you, my audience. And that is what Jude is doing here, okay? And he's referring to these stories that the Jewish people heard and knew that, hey, we need to pay attention to this long string of events because it's dangerous, The world is seductive. And if we think we're better than all these people that have gone before us, we are fooling ourselves. The world and their values will be there. And they're so seductive for the people of God because our values are very different. Very different. And Jude is making his point very clear. Just kind of highlight a few things that Jude said here. Again, verse four, he's saying that there are people that say God's grace allows us license to live immoral lives. Verse eight, he says that there are people that live immoral lives. They defy authority. They scoff at supernatural beings. Verse 10, there are ungodly people who do whatever their instincts tell them. Verse 16, there are ungodly people that just complain and grumble and live to satisfy their desires. You can see that is the worldly message. Do whatever you want to do. Satisfy your desires. It doesn't really matter. After all, I mean, you can believe in God. I mean, he's a God of grace. That is the message that we will see over and over and over again everywhere you turn outside these doors. That is what we see when you go to the movies, when you turn on the TV and you stream a show, when you listen to things, when you see things, when you talk with people in the world, that is the value that is going to be on repeat. 
And Judah's saying, do not listen to it. It's dangerous. You will have a tendency to believe that that's okay. Don't fall for it. See, this whole section kind of reminds me of interaction that I had many years ago. It was about 13 years ago. I had been married to Katie for a couple years, and I had first had this inkling, you know, I should probably get life insurance. I need to grow up and be an adult and do something responsible in case something happens to me. Someone's depending on me now. And I remember signing up for life insurance and talking to somebody on the phone, and I thought, you know, you just get life insurance. And they're like, okay, we're going to send somebody out and get a blood test. And I'm like, what? Like, this is weird. Like, you don't just believe me that I'm okay? I mean, I'm like 23 years old. Come on. And they're like, yeah, we, you know, we're just going to send somebody out, okay? And they arrive at my house, and they ask all these questions, right? I mean, simple things. And they just want to make sure that I'm not on the verge of death, and that's why I'm getting life insurance, okay? And they ask simple things in this guy, he was a nice guy, before everything, he just said, hey, you know, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm working in the local church, and I'm studying to be a pastor as well, I'm going to school, I'm in seminary, and he's like, oh, okay, well, I have a few questions for you. I'm like, okay. Do you smoke? No. Do you drink alcohol? No. Um, do you use drugs? And I was like, No. And he looked at me and he goes, that's good. I, if you said yes to that, I was going to be really surprised, you know, since you're like a pastor. That one. I'm glad you said no there. I'm like, okay. And then the gentleman didn't just believe me that everything would have been safe, even though he had to take a blood sample of mine. He, he put on gloves. He had the gall to put on gloves taking my blood after I answered all these questions. Can you believe that? And then I asked him, how many times do you do this every day? He's like, well, you know, I see about 10, 11, 12 people every day. And you do that for every person. Well, yeah, I have to take the proper precaution if I'm taking people's blood samples. Of course they do, right? I mean, that would be crazy if that gentleman didn't take the proper precaution when he was taking people's blood samples, right? Of course. We don't think that's foolish, We don't think that's crazy. How foolish would I be if I thought I am totally protected from the world's values, the way that the world says and promotes me to live, that I could just go out and take in anything I want, absorb all the entertainment, have no filters or boundaries, and I'm gonna turn out okay. And my kids are going to be okay if I, if I have no filters on the internet, on anything that they're watching. Of course, that would be just as foolish, wouldn't it? We have to pay attention and listen to Jude's warning that the world's values are actually coming for you. No matter how old you are, no matter how much experience you have, how foolish would we be if we don't have some boundaries that we don't have some protections in place. And Jude tells us exactly where that protection comes from, that we are kept safe in Jesus. That's the only place we're really safe. Because we don't really know what's knocking on that door, do we? There's all kinds of stuff that's gonna come get us. It could be something that happens to us. It could be 
ideas, it could be lies, it could be anything that's going on in our life that will take us away from this most holy faith, and we need to defend our faith and stay kept in Christ. That that is Jude's realization, that the world's values are everywhere and we need to be careful. And nothing has really changed just because the calendar says 2022 and not AD 68. It is the same, believe it or not. But there are things today, the generation before, the generation coming, that when we see them, we're like, man, that would shock my parents. <laughs> they knew that was going on in school. That would shock my grandparents if they knew that that was happening and that was on TV. I mean, of course we know that's the way things go. But Christ will keep us safe. And Jude tells us here in verse 17 even that this is nothing new, that the apostles were reminding us and they predicted, he says, that in the last times there would be scoffers who scoff at how we live. They're gonna scoff at a Christian way of life that if you're gonna try to follow this way of life, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? That is silly. He said that's predicted the apostles said so. Jude is telling us this shouldn't be a surprise to us. They see our lives. They see the hope that we have when we do face difficult things and they scoff at that. Like how could you have hope when you received this diagnosis? How could you live this way or have that attitude when this thing happens to you over here? How could you possibly have self-control when you should just buy that thing, just do that thing, just give in to what you feel? We get scoffed at in our world for holding these views. That's Jude's warning. And Jude actually has one more warning for us. He continues in verse 20. He says, but you, dear friends, because the world is so dangerous, only live near, only work with, only go to school with other Christians, only hang out with people that think like you and look like you because the world is so dangerous. That's not what Jude says, is it? It kind of caught me off guard because that's what I would expect Jude to say because all this other stuff that Jude just said about how dangerous the world was and is, I would think, well, that should be our response. We should be kept in Jesus. We need to go over here in a little huddle, in a bubble, and just hold it out until Jesus comes back, right? That's what I would think. And that is not what Jude says. He says this, you dear friends, build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life and in this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy still to others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Isn't that that's amazing to me that Jude is saying how dangerous the world is, yet in verse 23, he's saying, rescue others from the flames of judgment. This would be my summary of the second warning for Christians, is that, hey, 
maybe you didn't know this, you need to be warned, Christ is actually going to take you into this dangerous world. (laughs) Isn't that fascinating? Man, this is a really dangerous place. Don't be infected by it. Don't be polluted by it. Don't be contaminated by it. It's super dangerous. It can shipwreck your faith, but Jesus is going to take you into it. (laughs) Wait a second. And here is an inescapable tension of the Christian life that Jude is highlighting. And we just need to be aware of it. That the gospel is so important that we have to hold on to it. That we live in a certain way because of it. You see, the gospel is all about salvation. It's about heaven and hell and the future. Of course it is. It's what saves us. But the gospel is also the power with which we live each and every day. The gospel is my motivation for why I live differently than the world. The gospel is why I want to live a holy life. Because Jesus died for me. And I have to tell myself the gospel every single day. Why? Because I'll forget it. When I'm seduced by the world and my sinful nature and wanting to satisfy my desires like Jude is talking about, it's because I'm forgetting what Jesus did for me. I need to tell myself the gospel. It is the power of living a godly life by the Holy Spirit. I need it. You see, and it is the gospel which propels me into the world because I realize I am no different than all the people around me in this world, in this community, to the ends of the earth. I deserve judgment just as much as anybody else. I had an immoral, ungodly life apart from Jesus. And so it is only Christ who keeps me safe, and it is Christ who compels me to go into this world to share that same message, because we are all the same. So it introduces this tension that you can never escape. You need to protect yourself and your family from lies that this culture will tell you. But at the same time, we're called to be in it, to influence it. And I love how Jude says it. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames. That we need to be people who smell like smoke. That's, how, that's my interpretation. That's the Andrew version. That we need to smell like smoke. And so I don't know which uh, error you make, but you probably are in one error or the other. Maybe you error in the side of, man, you hunkered down. You are really good at defending your family and your faith because there are lots of things to be scared of. And so you are in a Christian bubble. Jesus tell, tells you today, you need to smell a little bit more like smoke. The gospel compels you to do that. And there are some of you today that need to hear Jude's warning. Hey, 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 hey come back. <laughs> You're getting on dangerous territory out there. You're, the world's values are influencing your life just a little bit. You need to defend your faith a little bit more. You need to be a little more cautious. Are you setting up appropriate boundaries in your life. One of those two things I bet you probably need to listen to today. 
because we're not living perfectly in the center of that tension. We're, we're on one side or the other, and Christ takes us into this dangerous world. You see, that is exactly what he wants for us. And I know that's difficult to understand, and it's daunting to think about, like that's really what's required of me as a Christian. But take heart. Second Peter 1, I love what Peter tells us in verse three. He says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. He's given you everything you need to live a godly life in 2022, in 2023. You do not have to be afraid, although it is easy to get that way. We do not need to be afraid in the world in which we live in. We have the power of the living Christ in us. His spirit dwells in us. He keeps us safe no matter what we face, friends. And he has given us everything we need to live a godly life. And we have received all of this, Peter says, by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of this glory, he has given us great and precious promises. And these are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. It's almost like Peter and Jude were friends talking here. You have the power through Jesus who keeps you safe no matter what it is going on in your life. He's there. And even though it may be hard to fathom, we have a Savior who has gone before us. We have a Savior who loves us. And Jude talks about that in these final two verses that he reads. Now, verse 24 of Jude, all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. I have to believe that that is something that someone needed to hear today. (laughs) That you are listening to this. It doesn't matter the choices that you've made in the past. Jesus died for you and he is able to keep you from falling away. He has drawn you to himself and he wants to bring you with great joy into his presence without a fault. That's what it means to be saved. And Jude is preaching the gospel here. He's saying there is a life out there for you who is dissatisfied with the answers that the world is giving. And there is meaning in Jesus There is perfection in Jesus someday when he turns us into little Christs in heaven, when he purifies us from sin, that he will keep us with him until that day. And then, yes, there is all this stuff around us now, but Christ alone will keep you. If you place your faith in him, like Jesus' little brother Jude, He will keep you too. Let me pray for you.
Heavenly Father, we turn to you today and we trust you that you've given us everything we need to live a godly life. For those of us that have faith in Jesus and have walked with you for years, help us to embrace that faith and to live boldly, snatching others from the fire because the gospel propels us into the world. And for those that are dissatisfied with the answers that the world gives, may they hear the grace that can be found in Jesus today. That we can put our faith and our trust in you and that you give us satisfying answers and will keep us forever. We pray this in your name. Amen.